Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast. We are recording live from our State Bar annual meeting in Austin, Texas. This is your host, Rocky Deer. Joining me now, we got three amazing panelists. We've got Judges Amy Meacham, Judge Jessica Mangrum, and Judge Martin Hoffman all joining us here today. Now, before we, before we get started, we're, we're going to be talking about effective advocacy. This is a view from the bench. So please tell us a little bit, little bit more about yourselves. So... You know, where do you work? What do you do? And let's start, first of all, with you, Judge Meacham. All right. I'm a judge here in Travis County. I've been on the bench about 13 years. I'm in the middle of my fourth term now, right? My third term. I can't remember. Who's so counting? It's become so long. Who, who's um, counting anymore? We are in Travis County. We have a central docket. I have a family and civil bench. I do okay. a little bit of everything on the family and civil side, and that's me. That's you. Judge Mangrum, you're new at this. That's right. I like to say I'm a COVID or Zoom judge. I was elected in 2020 and took the bench January of 21. Wow. Okay. That is so. That uh, is something. Yeah. <laughs> the job I ran for looked ended up being very different in practice and experience. And which which bench are you in? The 200th District Court. It's another civil and family trial okay. bench here in. Travis County. Okay. You diversified a lot. You have Judge Meacham and Judge Mangrum. We're the 201st and the 200th courts, Travis wow. County. Okay. So you varied it up a lot. You have two Judge M judges with the exact courts numerically next to each other. So and, much for diversity. And we're both originally from McLennan County. I'm seeing implicit bias. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. Judge Martin Hoffman. You and I know each other, but go. Ahead. a lot of these folks don't know you. So Yeah, let's, so let's I'm uh, Judge Martin Hoffman of the 68th District Court of Dallas County, so I guess I'm the diversity here. I am a, a civil judge. Yes, wow. yes, yes. We never I'm, get those. <laughs> I'm a civil judge, uh, so we handle personal injury cases, commercial, real estate, employment law. We don't do any family law. We don't do any probate, no criminal. So we have a specialized court. I've been on the bench since 2007. So I started, was elected in 2006. Wow. And uh, the way Rocky and I know each other for a variety of different ways, but mostly through the Mac Taylor Inn of Court, uh, where right. we have served together uh, on that and been part of that group together for probably close to 15, 16 years at this point. It's been a long time. Been a long time. And, and yet I still get to be part of it. Like Hoffman <laughs> hasn't kicked me out yet. That's... He that, hasn't ascended to the presidency yet, or is he now? No, president. he's president now. Oh, so oh. maybe that, your time is coming. He could, he, could, he could do something about this. He's both a judge and a president That's at this scary. point. Yeah, crazy, crazy. So, so guys, let's get down to brass tacks here. All right, so we're, we're talking about advocacy from the judges' perspectives. Now, we hear a lot about this. I think there's a, this is not the first time judges have talked about effective advocacy from the bench. But y'all took this, in a, and it's Texas, so I can say y'all. Y'all took this in a slightly different direction. You were talking not so much about oral argument or briefing. This was more more about maybe technology and how best to harness it for for, for lawyers when they're when they're in their courtroom. So maybe Judge Meacham, let's start with you. What were your, your thoughts on how lawyers can best 
better harness technology? Well, I, I think we start from the premise that we've basically had 30 years of advancements in three years. You know, we've yeah, right. basically made such leaps and bounds, and sure. we just have to realize that as a profession. And so I think our point was the first thing you do now when you're considering advocacy is you're considering the format for your hearing. Is it going to be in 2D or is it going to be in 3D? Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to take that out of the equation. But the basics, I think, what all three of us kind of realized were the basics of effective advocacy, even though you have to first think about the way you're going to be advocating, are you going to be on Zoom or are you going to be in person? The basics remain the same. They are. How there does it are change though? Basics. Like what's like during COVID, there was there was a lot of talk about this, and I'm sure Judge Mangrum, you know, you came in during COVID, so you, you saw it firsthand. What's the difference from an advocate standpoint, from a judge's standpoint, when it's in person versus on Zoom? And how do you think you hand, lawyers should handle themselves differently in each circumstance? So when witnesses are appearing on a Zoom screen, it is very different from people appearing in front of you physically in a courtroom. And when most people go to the courthouse yeah. to appear in court, they dress and appear a certain way. Sure. People who log on from their home computer or a smartphone may not go through those same things. There in may fact, not be pants involved, I get you. <laughs> exactly. There, uh, we have had everything from witnesses not dressed appropriately to witnesses driving their vehicle while a court hearing is proceeding, <laughs> witnesses smoking, witnesses eating, witnesses laying down in their bed. So there is some preparation that effective advocates um, are going to check in with these people yeah. and prepare them for how they should look and appear when participating in a remote court proceeding. Now, did you guys talk at all about, say, brief writing, written advocacy, and how best to harness technology that way? I know some judges are now talking about writing under the assumption that this is going to be viewed on a screen as opposed to... I suppose somebody printing it out and reading it on paper. Does that does that change the equation at all, Judge Hoffman? What do you think? You've been doing this a while. So I've been doing this a while. So th that is not necessarily a, a Zoom issue. It's a uh, we are basically paperless in Dallas County. I imagine you guys. Are, I've, I've seen your setup here in Travis County. Most counties in Texas are paperless, and so when you're doing your brief writing, you've got to really think about you know if I'm submitting. 2,000 pages of exhibits or hundreds of pages of exhibits, is the judge going to be able to find the exhibit if it's purely paperless? And so one of the things that I strongly recommend to people who are in that situation where they're providing voluminous briefing is, is this a situation where I should contact the court coordinator, or I guess you call it the court assistant, and do they need a binder? Do they want this in, in paper form if mm -hmm. it's a voluminous briefing? Because I will tell you that a lot of times it is very difficult to, to sort through that unless there's you know really well done hyperlinks or things like that, the, the different levels of the briefing. And so I do think that's something people need to take into account is that the default for most judges in Texas is that we're going to read this on a screen. If I provide a voluminous briefing, it can be very hard to access that. It can be very difficult. And, and especially what I've, I've seen in, in our court, we use Odyssey. They've just started using Odyssey, is that if you have a case with hundreds of documents that have already been filed, it can be very difficult to even find those on Odyssey uh, if they're not properly labeled by the clerk's office. So having a binder 
that has all of the briefing on both sides, I think is far more effective. I, I tell people, if you've submitted me a binder with just your briefing and not the other side's briefing, it indicates to me that you don't, you're not confident in your argument. So any good advocate is going to submit uh, binders on both sides, at least uh, in my, my situation. That's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about actually giving a nod to the other side and including that. What are your views on white space? On a brief, you know the, the the effective use of white space as opposed to just having having typing everywhere is is that a factor at all when you're reading a brief? Do you look at the if it's on a screen? Do you think, oh wow, you know they they've done a good job briefing because it's not just crowded with text or does that not? I've heard some judges talk about that. Well, I think I mean we aren't appellate judges; we right. are state trial judges, sure. um, and so we don't look at just briefing. We have a lot. It's such a oral advocacy presentation in state district court. I really think that's different than maybe federal court or the appellate courts sure. in Texas. State district court, I think most all of them is very much oral advocacy, much more than it is briefing. It's not not briefing, but one thing I think you're right about is that now we expect briefs to look more like what social media looks like are more like pictures, hashtags. more yeah. hashtags, more bullet points. It's less all text to your point. Uh, and the, the, the good briefs that you'll see now might have a picture inserted, you know, of mm -hmm. the actual accident, or it might have in a car accident case, you actually would have a picture of the damage. You might include the picture of the medical records as opposed to just citing to it. You are doing to your point, like a lot more visually appealing stylistically uh, briefing now than was ever done before. At least I think if you're moving with the times you are, that's part of it. Let's assume for a moment that you're in court in 3D doing this in person and you're, you're, giving, you're giving some piece of, of oral advocacy. How has technology changed that over the, over the years? Like say maybe pre-COVID to now, you know, are, are, there, are there new technological innovations that lawyers need to be aware of when they're making when they're making an argument to the court that maybe they didn't think to use before so i think one of the biggest changes is that you know we've had av equipment in the courts for quite some time uh, but now we have the ability to access zoom so if you have a uh, situation where you have a witness that you need to call in a temporary injunction or any other, other any other type of evidentiary hearing the courts and we talked about this at the panel the courts in Texas are moving more and more towards being making making courtrooms more zoom friendly sure. so you can have witnesses come in and be able to televise uh, be, be able to be seen more effectively and so uh, Travis County has done an amazing job uh, Judge Meacham was very kind to give me a tour of their new courthouse it's amazing I want uh, a tour yes it's I'm, I'm, I'm very courtroom jealous right now before I, uh, their old <laughs> like courthouse courtroom envy. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and so so that's something to be aware of is that you can if you have a witness at one of my first hearings in uh, during COVID we had a witness testify from Spain that's something you never could have done really before COVID or it was very, very difficult to do before COVID. Now it's almost effortless. And so taking advantage of that, being able to bring in witnesses you may not be able to bring in, I think that's a big change in, in what was done before versus what is done now. And a lot of courts are, a lot of, I think, urban courts are really embracing that, Collin County and uh, Dallas County and Travis County. I don't know as much about the rural counties if they're doing that as much. but. 
figure out the courtroom technology that's available and utilize it to its fullest. Uh, Dallas County is actually going through a process right now where we're upgrading. It should be done by the end of the year, but Travis County has already done it. Be aware of what that what that courtroom technology can do for you. So Judge Mangrum, you've seen, I guess so far, about half of your term has been in COVID and the other half post-COVID. I can see where, where having witnesses appear via Zoom can certainly be more efficient, both in terms of cost, in terms of time. But to those, to those lawyers or maybe those parties who can afford to bring their witnesses into the courtroom and have them be there present and in person, do they have some kind of an advantage in terms of their ability to better present their case because now everybody's in the courtroom? It probably depends on what the issues are and what type, whether it's a hearing or a trial and what type of trial it is. I think that sure. it would vary from case to case. But we've learned a lot through the Zoom experience. Sure. And you can see and hear and judge the credibility of witnesses, even if they're on a Brady Bunch screen on Zoom with you. We've had bench trials, we've had jury trials where the entire proceeding was remote. And frankly, I think much to the surprise of those colleagues on the bench who were very reluctant to move to that forum, were surprised how well it works. And um, you can actually see people right up close and personal on a Zoom screen, and you can see what's in their home office uh, or their living room. And I think it, you know, it's nice to be in person when you can. It's not always essential. And you, I think you can have good results with either, honestly, at the end of the day. Like, and I don't know if this concern ever, ever gets voiced when you're in the courtroom, but could there be, when you're talking about the use of technology or even going old school and bringing everybody into the courtroom, could this create a situation where certain parties, especially well-heeled parties, are now at an advantage because they can make use of the most effective technologies, however expensive they might be, or they have, their attorneys have the staff to put in the proper hyperlinks or do the things necessary to use technology to the maximum. And they're able to now bring in people in person and avoid all those other distractions and driving on the, you know, on Zoom while driving and all those things. D do you foresee a situation where now cost disparities can start creating inequities in terms of reaching the merits of a case? Well, I think all of us don't want to do hybrid, right? What you're talking about, where one person is on a screen and one person is in the courtroom. Yeah. We had to make a call in Travis County, uh, look at the new rules promulgated by the Texas Supreme Court, look at the laws passed by the mm -hmm. legislature and go, are we going to make our default rule in person? Are we mm -hmm. going to make our default rule virtual? Because really, you got to choose one or the other kind of as your default. Or you do it like Judge Hoffman does it and you actually have a day of in-person mm. and a day of virtual. But I know even in his system, you got to have one when parties don't agree. Because what none of us really like to do, we talked about this a little earlier, none of us really like to do hybrid because of the reason you just mentioned. It's not very effective. You want to either have people 
in a virtual platform or in an in-person platform if they're arguing. The difference, the one exception being if all the lawyers and the judge are in person, you can take that virtual witness on a screen. Mm -hmm. That works pretty well, but they're more a passive actor in the hearing, a passive actor in the trial, and not an active participant. And so I think for all of us, we're trying to avoid exactly what you just talked about, right, is a disparity of access to justice. I think one of the things that was surprising for every judge, you could have knocked me over, that pro se litigants and that litigants with less means would actually be able to access justice better virtually. I would never have thought that. For whatever reason in my brain, I was like, oh, the technology, they're not going to be able to do it. They're not going to be able to figure it out. I think now everybody yet, knows it. Yeah. And yet they figured it out immediately. We're immediately able to access courts better, uh, more frequently, without problems with finding childcare, without problems of parking and finding transportation. And so in many aspects, they like it better, such in our family law docket, because they can just access courts more easily. But in your high level advocacy cases, to your point, like the places where both sides have a lot of money, and you have one of these really big trials mm-hmm. that make sure. it in the media, right. everybody, I think, would like those to be in person. Mm-hmm. And they have the money and the means to uh, put their advocacy case in an effective trial in person. But you still got to know technology. You got to know the technology of the courtroom. You just aren't in technology on a screen. You're in technology live and in person and using things where you are, which is in the physical space of the courtroom. So and, and if I could, let yes, me comment please, just real quick, quick on that. So she mentioned kind of my docket and what, what I've seen. So, you know, I, I, as you know, Rocky, that I go to a lot of different events, including the Mac Taylor Inn that we're in, uh, and people come up to me all the time and they say, Judge, I can't wait to be in person. I just can't wait. I'm sick of these Zoom hearings. Let's get in person. And I'm like, okay, great. And I heard that over and over and over again. So I, I have two days where I have hearings, Mondays all day, Fridays a half day. And I said, well, let me, let's me let start doing giving people the opportunity to be in person. I want to give mm-hmm. them that opportunity. Sure. We're going to start off with Friday uh, in person. I'll probably gradually flip it because everybody's going to be, that's going to be so full. And on Mondays, I'm going to do all my Zoom hearings. And what I've learned through experience is that uh, my Monday docket, which is all on Zoom, uh, I almost never get complaints about being on Zoom. It's mm-hmm. like people embrace it. They don't complain about it. On Fridays when I'm in person, I almost every week get a complaint from an attorney saying, Judge, do I have to show up in person? Why are you making me, even though it's, we tell them Friday is only in person, can we just do it? In fact, I had a hearing just this last Friday where the attorneys, even though they knew it was going to be supposed to be in person, uh, I had to do a hearing on my phone because I was had an event. where I had to talk to them on my phone and do it over Zoom. It was not the ideal way to do it. It's the only way I could do it uh, because they were so insistent about not coming in the courtroom. And so sometimes they say that they do protest too much. I think attorneys sometimes say, it's like, oh, we hate Zoom. But when it comes right down to it, what I've it's seen is convenient. that they're yeah. going to use it because it's such a cost savings for their clients. It's such a time saving. Uh, we have a dismissal docket where, where attorneys come down and they're going to be in front of me for two minutes at most, do you really want to come all the way to the courthouse and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. spend all that time and effort and parking and all that kind of stuff? Parking. When you can, par- oh, terrible. Oh. Uh, 
when you can do it in in, in two minutes and uh, over Zoom. And so, you know, this is something I think that's here to stay. We got to use it effectively. We don't need to use it in every case, but uh, I think it really is a, a, a huge cost savings. That's a great way to end because I'm telling you guys, we are unfortunately at the end of at the end of the program. It's it's been fascinating, but. I want to thank our judges, Judge Meacham, Judge Mangrum, and Judge Hoffman. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you thank for you. having us. Thank you. This is great. Now, if our, if our listeners have, have questions, they want to follow up, we have any lawyers that want to maybe ask some follow-up questions, what's the best way to reach you? So, Judge Meacham, let's start with you. Wow. I don't usually give my email out on a public forum like this, but I tell you what, I enjoyed this so much. If somebody listened this long to Effective Advocacy, I'm amy.meacham at TravisCountyTX.com. Of. Okay, there we go. See, th- th- that's why you tune in, people. You get stuff like this. Okay, Judge Mangrum. All right. Well, I will uh, match what Judge Meacham did and okay. provide All my right. email address with the reminder, no ex parte communication. Of course. So nothing about yeah. a case. Jessica.Mangrum at TravisCountyTX.gov. Nice, Judge Hoffman. And I'm Amy Dot Meacham at there Travis. I know. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. You're um, Amy Dot Mangrum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't usually give it out either, but uh, I guess I feel a little peer pressured here. So, M Hoffman at DallasCourts.org. Wonderful. Well, guys, and if we get a lot of bad communications, we'll know who to blame. Yes, we're going to forward to you, Rocky. Yes, and and my email address is Martin Dot Hoffman. <laughs> Well, that is all the time we have for this installment of the State Bar of Texas podcast. I want to thank our guests. Thank you guys for joining us. And also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, don't forget, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Rocky Deer. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to texasbar.com slash podcasts, subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.